Good evening. Welcome. Let's keep hydrated. Welcome. Parsha in my life. Class. Parsha's Bamidbar. Okay. Um, anybody that would like to dedicate this class, post class, can let me know. Um, I'm sure it'll be a schus, whatever you have, a birthday, and another happy occasion or anything you'd like to commemorate and dedicate, including uh, there's a yard site in the family, or even better than that, a simcha, let me know. Okay. So this week is Parsha, we start a new Sefer in the Torah, Sefer Bamidbar. And Sefer Bamidbar and Parsha's Bamidbar is all about counting. So much so that the element of counting is so, is so dominant in the Parsha that the entire Sefer is called, we were used to calling it Sefer Bamidbar, but in, uh, the, in the terminology of the sages, it is referred to Chumash HaPakudim, the, the Chumash of Numbers. Um, it's interesting that in the secular uh, term for it, or the non-Hebrew way of referring to it, is Numbers. And Chazal also referred to it as Numbers. I don't know why the sticking name that we got is Bamidbar, maybe because, which is never a good reason, but the, the, the word Numbers doesn't say right at the beginning, and the word... Bamidbar does state in the beginning. But okay, that's a discussion for another time to figure that out. Um, so we're, and why is it called numbers? Because right in the beginning of the parsha, we have the mitzvah of counting the Jewish people. This took place a year after the Jewish people left Egypt, a year and one month after, or let's say a year and two weeks after. They went out in the year 2448 in the 15th day of Nisan, so it's the 15th day of the first month. This happened the following year on the first day of the second month. Chaydesh <coughs> Iyar, which we're in right now, but in the beginning of Chaydesh Iyar, Be'echad L'Chaydesh Hasheni, on the first day of the second month, Aleph, on Rosh Chodesh Iyar, Hashem told Moshe to count the Jewish people, and Rashi says it's associated with the fact that God came to make the Mishkan and dwell amongst the Jewish people, and therefore He wanted to count them. And based on the counting that's the beginning of the Sefer, the beginning of the Parsha, the entire Sefer Bamidbar is called the, the Chumash of Numbers, of counting. So being that the Haftorah is Me'in HaParsha, that the Haftorah, the portion of the Navi that we read at the end, is always Me'in HaParsha, has a similarity to the Parsha. So the Haftorah of Parsha's Bamidbar is about numbers, it's about counting. 
But this is talking about the future. Um, we have the counting that we've had in the past. Actually, Chazal tell us that the Jewish people were counted nine times. Altogether, we were counted nine times, and we're going to have one more counting. The census that's going to happen when Mashiach comes, we're going to be counted a tenth time. But regarding the tenth time we're going to be counted, I don't know if regarding that census or regarding the general time, it seems the, the Pasuk is talking about, the, the, the prophets are speaking about a population explosion and that we're going to be numberless. The number of the Jewish people is going to be numberless. That's the opening of the Haftorah and Parshas Bamidbar. It's from Hoishea, Perek Beis, Pasuk Aleph, Vahoya Mispar Bnei Yisrael. The number of the Jewish people are going to be like the sand of the sea, that cannot be measured, and cannot be counted. So our number is going to be numberless. That's what it says. And it will be at that time when our counting will be numberless, it will be that in the place that it was said about you that you're not my people, it will be said about the Jewish people, the children of the living God. It's a beautiful pasuk, right? Happy Navua, referring to the, <coughs> the numerousness of the Jewish people, how we're going to grow beyond all numbers. And that speaks in the next pasuk about Mashiach coming, the Nigbitsu Bnei Yehuda Bnei Yisrael Yachtov. There's going to be a unification between the Bnei Yehuda and the Bnei Yisrael. They're going to join together. They're going to point to their, upon themselves one king, that's Mashiach. They're going to go up from, the, from, from Golis, from the exile. Because the day of the gathering of the exiles is going to be just so great. Okay. That's the Nevuah, and we can understand the Shaykhaz to Pashas Bamidbar because it's talking about another counting. Um, now, there's a little background to this Navi, which I just found out today. I took out the Mikroes Gedolis, the art scroll Mikroes Gedolis. They have a very nice Hebrew art scroll Mikroes Gedolis. In the beginning, before the Haftorah, they have always a very nice, short, brief synopsis on what the Haftorah is speaking about. And over there, it took me, it brought my attention to a passage in the Talmud, in the Gemara, Mesechtes Pesachim. The Gemara gives us the background, the Mesechtes Pesachim, behind this prophecy. What happened that sparked this, this Nevoah? There's a story behind it. It's great to find out the story behind the, in the Chumash, it's, in the Navi itself, it doesn't say the story. You've got to read the backstory. <coughs> so the backstory you have in Gemara Masech Tzipsach, in the beginning of Perek Ha'isha, Taf Zayan Amad Aleph. So over there it, it says as follows. It says that the Abish there, that God told Hoshea, he told them, Banecha Chotu, your children sinned. The Jews were misbehaving, the Jews were sinful. And God is upset. And God says to the Navi, I have a problem. Your children, the Jewish people, uh, your people meaning, they sinned. And what should I do? And Hoshea uh, answered God, if they sinned, do away with them. That was his answer. 
Hashem actually says to Hashem, Kala Ailam Shalcha, the whole world belongs to you. Shalchahu. Haviram Bimacheres, switch them. I don't know, take someone else. Maybe you'll find a better nation, a better people. If they're not loyal, if they're not, uh, you know, if you can't rely on them, reliable, find the more consistent people that will, that will be more, because uh, you, you can exchange them with any other people. And God didn't like this. Not only that, I started from the middle, before that Hashem says, uh, Hashem, even before it says what Hoshea said to God, the Gemara rejects it so strongly. God rejected it so strongly that the Gemara doesn't even tell you what he said until after the rejection. Which, by the way, teaches you how terrible it is to say negativity, negative things about the Jewish people. No matter whatever the situation is, to be so careful. If we want, even want to say Musr, we want to tell people to improve, but never in a berating way, never to put down Jews, never to say that people are bad and negative and punishments are coming and and we deserve it, and so on and so forth. God forbid, God forbid. Because we see that Hoshea actually said bad stuff, and he actually brought upon the Jewish people negative decrees. He caused great negativity. He had to do tshuva for it. So what does it say over here? The Gemara says he should have said to Hashem immediately. When Hashem said, your children, he should have said, my children, your children. Similar to what the Gemara says in Sech Shabbos, that Hashem is going to say that to Yitzchak. Shem is going to say to Avram and to Yaakov and to Yitzchak, to all of our forefathers, your children sinned, and Avram and Yaakov are not going to defend them, but Yitzchak immediately is going to say, my children, your children. So the same thing, the Gemara says, you should have said, Hashem should have said, my children, your children. He should have said, B'neicha nunecha, these are the, the children of your beloved. Hey, B'nei Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, they're the children of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Have mercy upon them. It's not enough that he didn't say so, but rather, the Gemara says what he, what, what he answered. The answer that I just told you earlier. He said, if, 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 if they don't, if they're not uh, keeping up, you can dump them and take someone else. Did not, you see, even when God complains and he says something negative about the Jewish people, he wants, he says it because he wants the, whoever is he's in a conversation with, uh, the, the prophet or whatever it is, to, to, to argue with him and to say, no, 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 they really, really are wonderful. They really are good. Like Moshe Rabbeinu. That, that's leaders. That's what God wants. People who will defend the Jewish people. So Hashem says, Moshe what should I do with this old man? Also an interesting expression. What should I do with this old man? Maybe Hashem was blaming his oldness, his age, for this that he uh, did not defend them properly. Amaloi, leich, Hashem said, okay, you know what, I'll teach him a lesson. Hashem told Hoshea, leich v'kach isha zayna. God said, you want me to dump them? You want me to throw out my children? Or you want me to, to divorce my wife? I'm going to show you how painful that is. In the beginning of Sefer Hoshea, it says that Hashem instructs Hoshea to go and take a woman, a prostitute. That he should marry a promiscuous woman. A woman then, uh, not necessarily, I don't know if she's a street prostitute, 
But uh, marry a woman that, you know, there is, there is rumors about her that she misbehaves. Imagine that. The prophet is going to go marry the... In any case, And you are going to have from her uh, promiscuous children. In other words, you're going to have children from this woman. We're not going to be sure they're your children. Because just like she had uh, intimacy with him, she could have been with other men. So when the children, she's pregnant, we don't really know who these are, unless they'll take a uh, DNA test, which they didn't have then. And then I'm going to tell him, After he's going to bond with her, she's going to be the mother of his children, I'm going to say to him, divorce her. If he's able, if he can bring himself, to sever his ties with his wife, the mother of his children. And it seems like he was already an older person because he called him old man. It's not like it's the, the love of his youth, you know, his, uh, his uh, what do you call it, a sweetheart from, <laughs> from high school, you know. We're talking about, uh, you know, he marries her, he's an old man. And, 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 and if he's able to divorce her, I'm also going to um, divorce the Jewish people. Shenemar vayoimer Hashem Eloisheya. Hashem says to Eloisheya, "Kach locha eishes nunim go marry a a a woman, an unfaithful woman. Vayoldes nunim, and they're going to give birth to you to children that are like this." Uksiv, and it says vayelech vayikach, and that's what he did. And who did he marry? He married this woman called as Gomer Baz Develim, a woman by the name of Gomer, the daughter of Develim. And the Gemara darshens her name. What does Gomer Baz Develim mean? What, what the Gemara goes on and gives a few p- opinions about her name, which kind of expresses what type of a woman she was. Anyways, um, now it's interesting. Mefarshim have a question. There's a some say this literally happened. He actually had to. God instructed him to literally marry this woman. Some say this was all in his dream, in his uh, prophetic vision. In his prophetic vision, he heard God telling him to do this, and he does this. And obviously the, the prophetic vision is so intense that it's as if he's actually going through this whole thing. He's, he's, he's literally experiencing it as if it actually happened. And then it says he ends up having three children with this woman. One girl and two boys. And Hashem is the one who gives him the names to name these children. The first, Vatar Vatayled Loibain. She becomes pregnant. She gives birth to him for a, a son. And God tells him, Yisrael. Call him Yisrael. Not Israel, Yisrael. Okay, and the Pasuk gives a reason why you should call him Yisrael. Because this is a, God is taking revenge. Um, it's, a, it's a prophecy of revenge that's going to come to the family of Yehu who destroyed the descendants of Achav in the valley of Yisrael. That's why you're calling him. So the child is named for this, for this punishment that's going to come to the children of Yehu, who was a king who punished the other king's children and so forth for idol worship. And, but Rashi over here says, and Taisa says as well, there's another meaning to the name Yisrael. Yisrael was, a pro, was representing, it was a prophecy that Zrakel, that God is going to bring upon the exile of the Jewish people. It was a harsh, it was a speaking of an impending, 
an impending um, calamity that was going to come. And the word Yisrael means Zerakel, that God is going to sow the Jewish people. Golos is compared to a person sowing a field. It's when you take the seeds and you scatter them and you throw them all over far apart. And the same is God takes the Jewish people like a bunch of seeds and He scatters them in His field, the earth, the entire globe is Hashem's field. He, he, and he scatters the Jewish people all over like a person scattering seeds. That's called the Yisrakel, that God is, is Zorea. And that's what this name represents. As I said earlier, because of his accusation that he accused the Jewish people and said, exchange them, that evoked divine wrath in addition to on the Navi, on the Jewish people. Because when the tzaddik says, the tzaddik controls the world. When the tzaddik and every person, all Jews are tzaddikim, therefore we all should be careful with not saying bad things about, any, about, about even one Jew, and definitely not against the Jewish people as a whole. So by him, by Hashem, Hashem then decreed that decree of exile because of what he said. Okay? And then it says, she, gave pregnant, she became pregnant again and she gave birth to a girl. And Hashem said to him, Call her name Lo Ruchama. Lo Ruchama means she, she merciless, without pity, without mercy, is that God will not pity her. Referring to the idea that God will remove his pity from the Jewish people. And that's the name, again, of the, of the daughter, which is also representing a second decree, that when God is going to punish the Jewish people and scatter them in the exile, He's going to do it without mercy. That's frightening. Because I will not continue to have mercy on the Jewish people. And then, Vatar Vatelet Ben, so she, she gave birth, she became pregnant, and you, 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 after this, you would try to tell her to take birth control, not to get pregnant over here. Every time she's bringing another baby in the world, these are babies that are, babies that are coming with curses. And Hashem says, They're not my people. Because you are not my people. God forbid. And I will not be your God. After he had two boys and a girl, now, so now he has a family. God tells you should learn from Moshe. Why don't you learn from Moshe? Once I started speaking to him, once the prophecy descended on Moshe and he realized that God is going to be in a continuous communication with him, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? The famous story, which we're going to read about in two weeks from now, Parshas Baaloscha. What Moshe Rabbeinu did was he separated from his wife. Pidish separated from his wife. You should do the same thing. You can't be married because you're too holy. Maybe this is all, <laughs> you know, you're holier than, you're too holy to find good about the Jewish people. You dismiss them. So if you're so holy, separate from a woman. Live in celibacy. 
the master world, I have children from her. I can't kick her out of the house. I can't divorce her. Can't do it. The bond is too deep. So Hashem says to Hoshea, I'm going to make a ma'at. It's a kalvachomer. I'm going to say kalvachomer in English. If in your case, where your wife is a harlot, and your children are children from a harlot, meaning to say, you're not even sure these are your children. You don't even know if they carry your, your, your DNA. Maybe they're from others. So first when you married her, she wasn't such a tzaddikus of a woman. Such a righteous woman. And, so, and you know that, because I told you to marry her, to marry a woman like that. And, and yet, because she became your wife and she's the mother of your children, you love her already, or you're so deeply connected to her and you can't separate. Yisrael Shehem Bonai, the Jewish people that are my children, B'nai B'chuni, the, the, the children of those that I have tested, meaning I've, tasted, I've tested their, their faithfulness, I, Hashem tested Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov with tests, especially Avram Avinu, 10 tests. So it's like, not like your wife who's not tested her loyalty to you. We don't even know who her children are. They are faithful to me. B'nai Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. And they're, they're one of the four good purchases I've made in the world. And he goes on to say that the four portrait, pur, pur, purchases, Torah, and Shemayim Va'aretz, and Beis Amigdash, and the Jewish people. These are four things that Hashem has purchased. Kinyan Echad, when the Pekar Yavas also talks about the Kinyanim that the Ebershter was Kone in the world, right? So the, the Jewish people are one of the Kinyan, one, one of the acquisitions. And the Kapostik says, Amzu Kanisa, I have this nation that you have purchased, that you have acquired. The Atom, you just say I should dump them? I should exchange them? I can't do that. You can't do that. I for sure can't do that. When finally Hosea realized that he made a big mistake, he sinned. See, he realized that he went out of God's favor. He realized that he stepped out that he stepped out of God's favor. And so he started praying for himself. He began davening that the Abishta should have mercy on him. Forgive him for his sin. Say, hey, Hashem doesn't like it because <laughs> even this tshuva Hashem doesn't like. You see, when a person gets a little selfish and into themselves, and therefore they can speak bad about the Jewish people because they're just insensitive, they're just thinking about themselves and how, you know. So even when they start doing tshuva, it's also about themselves. I just read a story, just a funny story, that, that there was someone, a, a rabbi, a non-Hasidic rabbi, who, who at a certain time he had like a, an epiphany, it like dawned upon him that the Lubavitcher Rebbe was right when he, when he started this massive campaign to make a mi Yehudi, which means that uh, we should be very, very vigilant in making sure 
that anyone who is converting, they're converting according to halacha. That it's a halachic conversion. And the Rebbe was screaming that, you know, if we're, not, if we're not going to set that straight, God forbid the boundaries between the Jewish people and the Gentiles are going to be, are going to disappear because non-Jews are going to be Jews. But the, it was, and it was a lone fight. This is something the Rebbe fought for and the other rabbis and other great organizations kind of were silent. They didn't join this fight. And uh, later it turned into a very big churban. So when a rabbi met this Chabad Chassid, and he said, you know, Dlabachev was right. He really was right by, by making this. Because you know what? I do see that it's having an effect. He says, you know, last week, I, I myself married off a couple. And it turned out afterwards that one of them was not, had a conversion. And I didn't realize that the conversion was not a conversion. And you realize what happened? And I made a bracha levatola. I mean, I was by the chuppah. And I did the chasana, and I made a, 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 a blessing in vain. <laughs> so, the, so what's the story? Right. He just realized a catastrophe. Nebuch, a Jewish man, is marrying a non-Jewish woman. Or a Jewish woman is marrying a non-Jewish guy, which is, you know, which is a catastrophe for, for generations. For all, it's, it's a severance. I mean, I mean, a tragedy of tragedies. And instead of the sensitivity and the caring that, 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 that the Lubavitcher Rebbe was right, to care about this Jewish boy or this Jewish girl that she should, they should marry, uh, they, should, they should have a, 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 a Jewish continuity and, and marry Jewish, and such a terrible thing happened, his concern is, I mean, he doesn't even realize it because he's, his concern is that he made a bracha levatala. Again, it's all about him, about his bracha levatala. His, his blessing that he made in vain. So similar to that, just reminded the story because similar to that is we have over here. Hashayah is doing tshuva and he's, and he's pleading mercy for himself. And God doesn't like it again. And God says to him, um, Stop about yourself. You're davening for yourself. Plead mercy for the Jewish people. You just, you just harmed them. I decreed upon them three decrees because of you. So he, so he stood up and he pleaded for the Jewish people. And in his davening, he nullified the decrees. Obviously, obviously, he's a huge tzaddik. I'm saying what we, what we can see in the story and, 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 and realize for ourselves. And then he started blessing them, whether it was uh, his own blessings, I mean, his prophecy, so it's God's blessings. And it says, and that's what these, the psukim that I read to you in the beginning, the psukim and the haftorah, that are speaking about the numbering, the counting of the Jewish people. And how we're going to be counted, and our numbers are going to be that they're not going to be counted. And in place of being said to them that we're loyamiyata, you're not my nation, it's going to be a set upon them, benikel chai, the sons of the living God. So the blessings came to counter the earlier decrees, the earlier curses. So this is what he said. But when he says, the number of the Jewish people are going to be like numerous, like the, like the sand of the sea. 
which will never be measured and never be counted. Like one of the children that he named them was Loyamin, that the God says about the Jewish people, they're not my people. Instead of him, them, or being called Loyami, it will be said upon them that the children of the living God, which means they are very much Ami, they're very much my people. And I think actually later, it might even say it again, that he calls them Ami, they are my people, or maybe. Anyway, this is the nullification of one of them. Then it says, Venikbitsu b'nei Yehuda b'nei Yisrael yachtav, that the Jewish people will be gathered together. This is a tikkun on the first child. His name is Yisrael, because Yisrael means they will be scattered all over. So instead of their scatter, in the place of their scattering, they're going to be gathered together. They're going to come out of exile. So with this, he's countering that other, that other decree. And then it says, and then it says, Imru say to your brothers, Ami. Oh, this is where it is. Say to your brothers, Ami, they are my people. This is, this is what I meant. That he says it again, meaning countering the loyami that they're not my people. And to your sisters, remember there was one girl, and her name was Loiruchama, that God will not have mercy on the Jewish people. And to your sisters, Ruchama, that you have been that my compassion is upon you. That I extend my pity upon you. Okay. So this is the, 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 the prophecy. And again, this is the, this is the rest of the Haftorah. And it concludes with the beautiful Psukim, how Hashem says, I've betrothed you forever. Which means there's no breakup in this relationship. This is an eternal bond that's forever as ever. Forever and ever, God's unity with the Jewish people is unbreakable, unseverable. It will be, it will last for all of time. Okay, so this is the Haftorah we read right before Shavuos. Because usually Parshas Bamidbar is the Parsha before Shavuos. Shavuos we know is the marriage between God and the Jewish people. And here in the Haftorah before that, we don't, sometimes we read Parshas Nasa also, but Pasha's Bamidbar, oh, the Gemara says, we read always Bamidbar before Atzeres. So it must be connected, and the connection is, you see that the marriage is going to be forever. Um, but we need to understand also the connection of the beginning of the, of the Haftorah. The, the Haftorah says that the numbers of the Jewish people is going to be beyond number. And, and in general, we need to understand, first we have to understand its connection to Shavuz. But also, what does this mean? Vahoya mispar b'nei Yisrael, the number of the Jewish people is going to be beyond numbers. And that's a contradictory statement. If anything, if you want to say that the Jewish people are going to be so many, you can't count them, so then there's no number. So don't call it vahoya mispar. The number is going to be numberless. Vahoyu b'nei Yisrael, just say the Jewish people are going to be like the, like the sand by the sea. If you're saying it the number, then and you're saying it's numberless, it doesn't make any sense. It's either number or numberless. No, you can't have both. Ah, but that's the secret of giving of the Torah. The secret of the giving of the Torah is that the numbers, the finite creation, the finite planet Earth, the world as it is, with all of its limitations and with all of its boundaries, 
is going to be assimilated and elevated and connected to the infinite. And that's as a result of all of our Torah and our mitzvahs in which we connect the finite and the infinite. This is unbelievable. And that's really the connection of numbers and beyond numbers. And that's what happens on Shavuos or begins on Shavuos. And that's, that's the connection to, to Shavuos. But what does it also mean? Well, let's all get, get a, be, a better understanding of the deeper meaning of this number, numberless number. In other words, we remain within the realm of number, but number becomes numberless. And what does it mean? Um, also an interesting emphasis. It will be in the place that will be set upon them. You're not my people, now it will be said. You're the children of the living God. What's the emphasis bimakom on the place? It doesn't say that by all the other prophets. When he says, in the place that it was said that you will not be pitied, you lo rachama, now it will be rachama. It doesn't say that. Or in the place that it says you will be scattered, in that very place you will be gathered. It doesn't say that. It says, I will gather you. I will. But over here, by loyami, not my people, in that very place, you will be called B'ni Ke'el Chai, the children of the living God. So what does that mean? And what really is the dialogue between Hosea and the Eberster? Well, what's really going on over here that uh, Hosea kind of is, is, obviously he's a prophet, he's a tzaddik, and uh, based on his knowledge, so to speak, of Torah and his, his, his understanding of the context of the a context of the relationship that our connection to God is based on Torah and mitzvahs. Uh, once we're in violation of Torah and mitzvahs, then we severed that bond. So then God uh, doesn't have to keep His loyalties to us. So what what's what's what is Hashem and what is Hashem telling him? Like get married, and and you will and you will see you can't divorce your wife, and and that will <laughs> that will show you. So obviously, I mean, it's not really a question that I'm asking. It's, it's, it's obvious. The Navi was not appreciating the depth of the connection and the bond between God and the Jewish people. He, he, he saw that bond as a conditional love. He saw it based on what we do and how we behave, and that's how we connect to the Abishter, but it's not like an inseparable bond. And what was coming out, what God was conveying to him was... My bond with Israel, my bond with the Jewish people is on so deep and it's so core essential, it's so, it's so at our essence that it's inseparable. And that's what's being expressed in the idea of the Mekayim Ashayah. And all this is going to be revealed in the future. Because we said earlier, that's going to be in the future when this will be revealed. So to understand this, there is a fascinating mimer discourse from Roshnir Zalman of Liadi, the Balatanya, in the Sefer Lakuti Torah this week on this subject. It's a long discourse. I'm going to try to just try to get in a, in a nutshell the main idea of how he explains the, the, the difference between our relationship with Hashem that is current and the relationship of Hashem that is going to be when Mashiach comes. Current, meaning just like when the Jewish people were in the desert, our relationship was one of numbers. And our, we're going to see that our entire experience of Judaism until Mashiach comes falls under the category of numbers. And that's why 
in the Midbar when we were counted, we were a set number, and that the whole parsha is talking about this shavit, this amount, this numbers, and and when Moshiach comes, we're going to be elevated to beyond number. And what does that mean? A deeper truth in our connection to God is going to be revealed, but it's not going to be revealed in that deeper realm up there, it's going to be revealed in the very material existence in the world that is a world of numbers, in the space of numbers. In the realm of where numbers are, which the idea of numbers fit within the finite, that's when you can have numbers. In other words, which all belongs within the realm of time and space. Over here you can have, is where you have numbers, and over here we're going to sense the depth and the essence of the relationship that it's really uh, on a level that's beyond numbers and therefore beyond time and space and infinite and therefore durable and eternal and unbreakable forever and ever. And that's the idea that's really being conveyed over here. So he explains as follows, that um, The Abishta created the world through four letters of his name, Yud Vavke. Which, if you learn a little Hasidus, we know Kabbalistically the four names of the four letters of God's name reflect the four worlds, which are four levels of existence, Atsilus, the world of emanation, Bria, that's the corresponds to the Yud, Bria, the world of creation, the world of souls, Yetzira, the world of formation, the world of uh, angels. Finally, the hay, the latter hay, the world of completion, which is where the physical world is, the completed uh, creation as we know it. The material existence of the physical world, that's Olamasiya, that's the, the lowest of the four worlds. These four letters of God's name corresponding to the four worlds also correspond to the four elements. Fire, um, in the order of the Alter Rebbe, it would be Wind, fire, water, and earth. That would be going from Yudke, Vavke downward, or the other way, earth, water, fire, and wind. Some places it counts um, fire above wind, and other places it counts wind above fire. It's, it's different, different versions in Hasidus. In, in what is the, uh, how, how do you relate the Yud Kevavke? But in any case, um, these four letters, um, which make up the, the very consistency of all of existence, of whatever is, is also, since Hashem created the entire world so that we should serve Him for our worship, um, and Hashem created the whole world for the human being. And the human being's purpose is to serve God. And how do we serve Hashem? Through Torah. Hashem Bereshis. It says in the beginning of the, of the Torah. Bereshis. In the beginning, Rashi says, B'shulah Torah, B'shulah Yisrael. And for the sake of the Torah and for the sake of Israel, God created the entire world. So we have to say that these four dimensions exist within, our, within a Jew's connection to Hashem. So in the Neshama itself, in addition to the idea that the neshama has yud k vav k, as we discussed many times, that are four letters of Hashem's name, that there is a yud k vav k in every person, as explained in Tanya, 
in, in primarily in Ageris Hachuva, where the Alter Rebbe explains how we function on all these four levels of Yud Kevav, and our connection to Hashem that that enables. But in this particular mimer, he's discussing the fire, the earth, fire, the earth, water, wind, and fire in our experience. So we begin with earth. Um, the earth of the neshama is, which corresponds to the latter hey of God's name, Yud Vav K. So the earth of the neshama is called is Afar, earth, but it's also called Eretz. Because earth is uh, the the afar, the dust or earth is what the eretz is made out of, and everything is hinted to in the in the name in which something is called. So eretz, the sages say, why is it called eretz? Because it 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 and there's two meanings to the word sharatsa. Ratzasa can mean it had a ratzon, from the word ratzon, which means that the earth wanted to do God's will. So the essence of earth is want, it desired. And also the word ratz, ratz means running or racing. So if you put it together, it means a racing desire, which means an intense desire. So the etymology of the word eretz is a, a, a desire. How would we translate that to the earth that's in the soul? That means that at the lowest level of our neshama, if you break in and, and examine and put the soul under the microscope and look at what it's made out of, without the blockages, we're soon going to see that we have blockages and the blockages cause malfunction and they cause a lack of, 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 of awareness and, uh, and, 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 and whatever. It, it, it gets, the system gets a little messed up because we're in Golos and because of all the, all the obstacles and, and, and things that obscure and block. But if we were to allow the soul to be her true self, the earth element of the soul really ha- is, 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 is in a constant state of burning, yearning to, to connect. Why is the neshama in a constant, in a sense, in a constant state of dissatisfaction where it is and it wants to be higher? The reason why the neshama is always in, in, this, in this longing state, in this rut state, in this desire state. And again, you don't need anything to stimulate this. This is the, this is the clay. God made the man, man out of clay. Adir is talking about he's making the the body out of clay, but the soul is also made out of a kind of earth. The earth that the soul is made out of is the earth of, 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 of rutzo, of thirst, of desire, of want, of, of longing and racing to do God's will. Now, um, why is the neshama always racing? Is because it's earth. And earth means it's the lowest level. We know earth is the, la- is the last thing. Hashem creates shamayim, and then he creates earth. Spiritually, that means that when the neshama, uh, that our neshama is rooted in the last of all spheres, and spheres hamalchas, since the neshama is meant to come down into this world and serve as the pnimius of the world, to elevate all of creation, so the, as the neshama emerges, it has deeper sources. I'm not going to get into it right now. The neshama is deeper, has deeper sources, higher than malchus, which is the last manifestation of the divine. The neshama has sourced all the way, all the way up in, in the spheres above, 
and the Zeir Anpin, which are the six spheres above Malchus, and the Nisham is rooted higher in Bina, and the Nisham is for sure reading all the way, all the way up in Chachman. That's what we say in the second parak in Tanya. And the Nisham is called the child of Hashem, because just like a child comes from the father's Chachma, the Nisham also comes from the Abish's Chachma. And then we learn in Chasidus that even Chachma is not really the source of the Nisham. And the Nishamas are rooted in Keser, and even beyond that, all the way up in Atmos Mamish, in the very essence of God. But that's in a very panemius, meaning a very, very inward high state. But in a more external manifest state, when the neshama kind of gets baked and finished and produced, the neshama is called the child of Malchus. It's a child, the Shechina is called our mother. Shechina is Malchus. And Malchus, and, and simple reason is because Malchus is a source of a world, and the neshamas are here to become part of the world and elevate the world. In other words, we, we're going we're gonna to exist within time and space, and and, and, and in the sense that we know that, uh, uh, that the, 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 the neshama is like the Abishta's wife. Right? And the Abishta, and what's the point? And Adam and Chava were one person, and then the Abishta took Chava and separated her from himself, and they became two. What was the point of their tunis? The tunis was so that they can, that, that they can get together again and become one. And when they will become one, they will become, as a husband and wife, they will become deeper one than the oneness that they had when they were just one body. And that's the same idea, that the Ebershter takes the neshama and emanates it outward, all the way into Malchus, Malchus, and Malchus becomes a source of separate existence. Malchus becomes already the source of a creation that is separate. Malchus pe, Malchus is dibor, speech, speech becomes separated, disconnected, outside of, the, of, of Hashem. It's not included in the in the simplicity of the God's unity where, the, where you can sense there's only God. This is, it's seherzach, you feel, you can sense already an otherness. That's malchus. And that's where the neshama is. And precisely, and that means that the neshama has descended into finite existence. Once it becomes already a creation, once it goes into, uh, uh, or in malchus and shechin, it becomes the source for finite creation, that's already a disconnect, and that's why we say that tata, the lower fire, which is Malchus, it's also divine. But it's very dissatisfied because it feels trapped within the world. She's constantly calling out. She wants to go up, and that's the cry of the Aretz. The Aretz, because it's Aretz, because it's the lowest level, it's, it, wants, it wants to go up. And therefore the Alter Rebbe says, that's, the Shechin is always longing for a unification with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, with the transcendental infinite light. And every Neshama, if you would only give the Neshama a little bit, remove all the, 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 the distractions and all the other things, and we would be able to focus in on reality and what's really going on, and how the Neshama was once very, very lofty and attached to the Ein Sof, and now the Neshama finds itself in, in, in a limited state, that, would, that creates a strong rut zone and a strong desire to cleave and to bond, erasing desire, and that's the earth of the Nisham. But the Alter Rebbe says, but that's not enough. We also need, in order for earth to produce earth, in order, I'm sorry, in order for earth to produce its vegetation, to give forth what it can give forth, which means in order for the powerful uh, uh, um, experiences that the neshama should experience in terms of its bonding with God, it needs to be watered. So there's a Pasuk in Tehillim where the Pasuk says like this, in Perek Samachei. Pasuk Yo, chapter 65, verse number, verse number 10. 
simply it means you have remembered the earth, and you have satiated her thirst. God remembers the earth, and he satisfies her thirst. She's a thirsty earth. So how does he satisfy it? You enrich her much. You enrich her in a big way. Peleg Elohim, through the streams of Hashem, Mole Mayim, she becomes full with waters. In other words, simply God makes it rain. By Hashem bringing rain down to the earth, Peleg Elohim, the streams of Elohim, the godly water fountains, what does that do? You remember the earth, you satisfy her. Spiritually, the Alter Rebbe says, and here he goes into his fiery discussions, and look like you can see the Alter Rebbe's fire suddenly flare up. The Alter Rebbe says that since the Neshama is what? In Golos. And we're in Golos, the soul gets clogged. The soul gets covered up. There's so much concealments and so much blockages. And because of the concealments and the blockages, we don't always, we're not always in touch with the earth desire, with our innate burning natural desire and racing desire to cleave to God, which should be, which should be our constant. But because of the, the concealments of the material life, the worry of needing to make a living, and other, and the Alter Rebbe says, the fact that we eat, and, we're, 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 and, and each time we're eating, we're, we're, we're feeding our animal soul, which kind of, we endorse the klipa, we, 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 we experience pleasure in things that are not godly and for the purpose of the divine. We get, we get caught up in the, in the physical, which is all part of a concealment, which, you know, disconnect us from the truth of our neshama, what our neshama really wants, and therefore our neshama can kind of go bland, our soul can kind of go dry, it can like, its, it's fire can die down. So what does it need? You remember the earth, and he says the word pakadata also comes from the word pekida. Pekida, which means, which is like a intimacy. A person is chayev to be intimate with his wife. So when God sees we're asleep, he injects, he, 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 is, he embraces the soul with his love, he infuses, he channels his love down to the neshama. And what does that do? That creates within the neshama an ishtaikakos. And ishtaikakos means a longing. And how does that work? So the Alter Rebbe says that's the purpose of mitzvahs. What are mitzvahs? Mitzvahs are masculine waters. Mitzvahs is God's love. If you really want to know where the mitzvahs originate, the mitzvahs originate in chesed, in the Eberster's kindness, and in Atzilus, on the Ein Sof. And over there, God's love for the Jewish people is very, very intense. And He, he enclosed it in, in, in mitzvahs. He sends the mitzvahs down to us. These are little uh, divine emojis, if you can call them, of love. All kinds of kisses and hearts and all kinds of things. That's what, that's what the mitzvahs are. It's Hashem's love packaged in 613 different packages. And when that love comes down and we access it, we take it, so we're now we're taking divinity and we're, and, we're, and we're absorbing it into our soul. And what is that going to do? A dried up soul that has lost its, 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 its that got like a numb or, 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 or you know, uh, uh, say distracted or, or, or uh, its fire has, has kind of 
uh, its fire has died down, the, the soul now by its experiencing a burst of divinity, it refreshes the soul and it excites the soul. And more than that, it plants godly love into the neshama. And then the neshama responds and the soul now reacts now the soul's love to God is going to be superior to the love that the neshama had even before, even if the soul did not conceal its love. In other words, the initial love is love that comes through prayer, through meditation. As we said earlier, you're meditating where you come from, where you are now. Naturally, instinctively, the soul's going to love God, but that love is coming from malchus. It's coming from the level of earth itself, from the lowest level, which, it's, which it's essentially is more on a level of finitude, and therefore its love is also finite. So it's love to God, but it's kind of measured. But now that the neshama is getting the love, which it's not her love, it's God's love to the neshama that's planted in the soul. So now the neshama is going to produce a love. And it's interesting, in the Mimer it seems to be a little bit, the soul becomes pregnant from that infusion. And that pregnancy is now just like the woman and she's going to give birth to the children. The children are the divine emotions, the love and the fear that are going to come out now. And this love and this fear is going to be so much greater than the love that was before. Because over here you have already God's, per, God's partnership. Hashem sent down from above His transmission. His love and the child that is going to be born, which is going to be a reciprocal love, is not just going to have the energy of Malchus, it's going to have the energy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Zeir Anpin, of the infinite. And therefore, it's going to have a, a, a dimension of, of Ein Sof to it. It's going to be far more intense. So the point of mitzvahs, he says, is to awaken within us deeper and greater love than we've had before. And that's the second level of the Neshama. In Avodah, Mayim, water. Water of the soul is the, is the concept, the idea in our Avodah Hashem of Asiyah Samitzvahs. Why are mitzvahs called water? Because they're masculine waters. Mitzvahs are awesomely godly things that are coming down, godly energies, which are coming down to us. They're flowing to a low place. They're coming into the physical. They're enclosing itself in, phys in physicality. We are picking up a pair of tefillin, which is a physical object, even though this is incomprehensibly holy and godly and divine, yet we are picking it up in a very physical form. Same is also a mezuzah, and the same is also Shabbos candles, or any mitzvah that we do, they're awesome. And therefore the Alter Rebbe says, they help us give birth during davening. Because in the time of Golos, the Jewish people are called Akara, Akara Loyolda. She's a barren woman, she can't give birth. So this is going to help us give birth by davening. And the Alter Rebbe says an amazing thing, that's the reason why we put on talus and tefillin before we daven. So we wear the talus and the tefillin so we are able to daven now. In other words, we're able to now, in pakada to ha'aretz, the Abishter is now being pokeed. He's, this, he's, he's, he's remembering the earth. Now during davening. And it's interesting, it's just a, such a beautiful thing in the Mimer, I can't, I can't bring myself to skip this. He says, it's a little parathetical, but he says every time there's a birth, there is chevle leida, there is birth pains, there is labor pains. So in davening, when the baby is going to be born, which the baby is the product of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the, of the mind, of the person's hisboinenus, of the person's contemplation, together with the infusion of masculine waters, which came to you through the talus and the tefillin, I would add, the Altarebbe doesn't say it there in the Maimah, but obviously it's self-understood, the tzedakah that you're supposed to give before davening, 
So these are mitzvahs that you're doing, which are assisting and bringing and helping to stimulate the love. So the pain that you feel when you say slach lanu and ask for forgiveness, ashamnu, and also when you say lamatzeach yancha Hashem biyom tzara, there are 70 words in, 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 in that passage in Ashrei, between Ashrei and Avolatziah, chapter 20 and in, in, in uh, Tehillim, Psalm 20, is Yancha Hashem B'yoyim Tzara. That passage, it says, is related to the birth of, of the, the last 70 years of Golas when the, uh, when the, 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 the Ayol, the, uh, the, 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 the female deer, is having a hard time giving birth and she cries out 70 cries. That's what it says. So this is the birthing, this is the pain, but then you'll have children. And that's what he says is the meaning. Take a look further. It's interesting. Shekekel is not just satisfied. It. But the Shekekel, you made her thirsty. Because by giving her divine, divine downloads, it's causing a response of a, of, of, of a longing. Rabbas Tashrena. You have enriched her, which I'm not going to hear. There's an explanation there in the mind, but then I'm going to go to the next word. Peleg Elohim. What happens is he says, why is it that 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 naturally, without these, without the divine assistance, without God's input, without the input from above, the nisham is not able to experience its own earth, its own longing to God. Why does it need the mitzvahs to help stimulate it? He says that's all because down here it's very dark. Down here it's there's such constrictions. There's such constrictions. The constrictions are not allowing the birth to happen. Are not allowing the emotions to come out. The emotions remain stuck. What that means is that we all have deep inside potential to love God, to fear God, to feel experience intense, uh, intense emotions towards Hashem. But we won't feel it. Why? He says those concealments are associated with the name of Elohim. Elohim is what causes divinity and godliness to be blocked, to be concealed, to be obscured. And the two things, Elohim itself is the name of, di, of din, of judgment. And in Elohim itself, you have the consequence, you have the consequence of the concealments. The consequence of the concealments are that you have the word Elohim, which is, comes from together two words, Ele and Mi. Yud Mem spells Mi and Ele. And what does that mean? There is a pasuk that says, "Me bara ele," that me. You're gonna look up to. You're gonna look up to the heavens. You're gonna see me bara ele. Who created these? So in the Hasidic, in Hasidus, it explains an amazing thing. Ele is gematria thirty-six. It's also the same word like Leah. Now Leah had six children. Six boys. Leah had six boys, spiritually, and and and. Now the word Ela, and we know that the six boys that Leah had personify the six divine emotions. Chesed, Gevurat, Feres, Netzach, Hod, Yesod. These are the six boys. Now, each sphera, like we're saying now in Sphera Sa'imer, contains all the other six. So six times six is 36. That's the word Ela. Now the word Ela also means these are. Now when do you say these are? When something is revealed. 
And these are they. These are my children. These are the commandments. When something is conspicuous and revealed and open, you can say, this is it. So Eila is referring to when our emotions, when our spirituality, when our godly light is open, it's revealed, it's tangible, you can touch it, you can... But what happens when the children are stuck in the birth canal, they can't come out, they're not revealable, then it's not me, Bara Eila, that me creates the... Now who's me? I forgot. Me is the Bina. Me is 50. So Bina, which is understanding, when we understand something, because we all have a Jewish head, we have a Yiddish cup, and we have a holy neshama that has a capacity to know God, we should have powerful spectrum of emotions. We should experience an you can be Every Jew should be able to say, after davening, here's my chesed, here's my love of Hashem, and here's my gvur, and here's my fear of Hashem, and here is my compassion for my neshama, and compassion for the world, and compassion for God, and all the experience that a Yid should feel. Right? And so on and so forth. Here's my netzach, my powerful victory, and I'm going to determine, I'm going to fight wars to beat the klipa and to bring Mashiach and whatever. This is what we should be able to say after davening. But if you can't say that, because your me did not create Ela, that's because of Elohim. Because instead of the me being there and then Ela comes afterwards, the me comes after the word Ela. Elohim is that the Ela, the first three letters is Ela. And then there's Yud Mem, which means the, the, the Seichel, the intellect, the Bina, is keeping the Ela inside. It's like babies that can't be born. That's the idea of like an Akara, a barren woman. The children are not coming out. They're not, they're not developing. So that's the meaning of over here. But the Abishta gives us physical mitzvahs. So in order to a remedy a remedy for this being stuck, for the emotions not being able to be born. What's the remedy? You have remembered the earth. The Abishter sends us down from above assistance. He gives us tefillin, he gives us tzitzis, he gives us tzedakah, he gives us this mitzvah and that mitzvah. And what does that do? Peleg Elohim, it splits open. Peleg Malashen Pilug, it breaks open. Peleg, it divides the words of Elohim. And it becomes the Yud Mem separates and from the Aleph Lamade and it reveals the emotions. Mole Mayim. And then the person is filled with waters. This is the waters of, the, of divinity which allow for again the thirst of the Nishama to flare up. So that is, now we know what the earth is. And then we know what the, what the water is. Above that, now this is going to do this, the, the, the last two we're going to do very quickly. This, so from the waters, from the mitzvahs comes the ish. Remember, we said the next level is fire. The fire is the now the intense burning for God, which is more than the earth. Remember, we said earlier the earth is your natural love to God, which is produced by the neshama itself, coming from malchus of the neshama. Which, and again, that's that has a limit. But now that the love has been stimulated by the help of our husband, it's been stimulated by the Abishter from above, it's not just the neshama on its own solo, but it's the neshama in conjunction with an infusion from above, the waters from above, the Mayan Dukhrin, the masculine waters from above that have merged together with the Mayan Nukfin, with the feminine waters that are now creating this child. And what is that? That's the Aish, that's the fire. And now you're a person on your shama should be ablaze with a godly fire to God. What comes after that fire? You need a wind 
to calm it. And that wind is the ruach. What's ruach? Ruach is the, the, the limud ha-Torah. When a Jew, after he experiences this godly fire, this eruption, this rapture of this intense fire, studies Torah. When you're learning Torah, it says, when you're learning, God is learning along with you. Anybody that's learning Chumash or learning Mishnah, that means you and God are breathing the same breath. I put my words into your mouth. And that level of union, that level, it's, and, and, and Torah comes from Chachma, um, when it says, uh, when Hashem created the human being to be a nefesh chaya, which means a nefesh of chachma, of wisdom, the Targum says, to a spirit that speaks. It's the highest union takes place in the study of Torah. And that corresponds to the Yud, and that's the Ruach. So the Eish brings the Ruach, the Afar, the earth, brings the Mayim. That's the system of the way the system is set up now. Now, this kind of a, of a bond, this kind of a relationship, the Alter Rebbe says, is called mispar, it's called number. V'hoyo mispar b'nei Yisrael, particularly the, 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 um, the malchus element of the neshama, the lowest element, the earth. That's where numbers begin. That's where the finite world begins. That's where his chalkos starts. That's where the vision starts. Not only is the neshama earth called number, but even the corresponding mayim, the water that's coming down, the masculine waters that are coming down, which means the mitzvahs that are coming down, are also called mispar b'nei Yisrael because the mitzvahs really are infinite. Up there in its source, there is no number because the mitzvahs are one with the Ein Sof and therefore there is no number to it. But since mitzvahs have to engage us, we human beings, in a, in, in a, in a divisible world, in a world of time and space, in a world of today and tomorrow and yesterday, in a world of morning, afternoon, and evening, in a world of day and night, in a world of all these divisions, in the world of all the small particles, if you can say, is what this world is made out of, and our lives are made out of a bunch of pieces put together, that's what physical life is, a bunch of pieces put together, a piece of this and a piece of that, and that's why... You know, we're constantly changing. Now we're doing this, and tomorrow we're doing that, and the next half an hour later, I have to do that. It's, it's just chunks. It's choppy. And so mitzvahs have to, too, have to come down in a very numbered way in order to fit the world of number. And that's why mitzvahs are also called v'hoya mispar b'nei Yisrael. In other words, the neshamas themselves are in a state of mispar, of numbers, but the equivalent mitzvahs that are coming down are also in a state of mispar, of numbers, the way it is now. And the way the mitzvahs affect us, today's days, as we said earlier, it's not consistent. It's not all the time. It's ups and downs. It's like we have an, a godly experience. Our earth in us is exposed. It desires, especially if it gets a little water to it, and we have a lucky moment, that we have a deep moment of spirituality. But it's all on a level of numbers, because it doesn't last. It's chunky, it's choppy. 
Our entire spiritual life is choppy. That's the way it is now. Says the Yalta Rebbe, Misbar B'nei Yisrael. But the way it's going to be when Mashiach will come, it's going to be Ashaloyimad. It's going to be Kechoylayam, like the like the like the sand of the of the sea. Ashaloyimad. That's not measured. The Loyisafir, and it's not and it's not going to be counted. In the place that it says you're not my people, you're going to say it. The people of Bnei, they're the children of Bnei Kelchai. So let's do this briefly. Again, my, based on my limited understanding of the Maimer. So the Alter Rebbe is saying that we know when Mashiach will come, there is going to be what's called Aliyah Samalchus. As a result of all the godly downloads that we've done through mitzvahs and through Torah, that we've done through the masculine transmissions that were helping us out through this whole process, it's going to come a time when we, 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 we received and we completed all this download of mitzvahs and of Torah. So what's going to happen? The Malchus is going to rise. That means that the intrinsic godliness of the feminine recipient of the, of the Nishamas Yisrael, which are rooted in Malchus, it's going to reveal her true nature of who she really is. And Malchus is really in truth rooted higher even than the Mashpia, higher than, the, than her husband. And that's the reason why it says the Jewish people are going to be kechoyel hayam, like the sand by the sea. Usually we said before there's earth and on top of the earth there is water. But by the sand of the sea it's not that way. The sand goes on top of the water. That's why it stops the water. The Abish to make the sand a, a border. And the earth, the water can't go above the sand. It goes above the sand, but it goes back. The sands stop the water. Because in essence, in, in Emes, in truth, the Makabal, which are the Jewish people, which is the Neshama, which is the Shechina, which is Malchus, is really a teres baila, she's higher than her husband. That means that the earth is really higher than the water. That means that the intrinsic value of the Jewish Neshama transcends Torah and Mitzvahs. Even the mitzvahs, which are so godly, which are which without that we can't do anything. As we said before, we get stuck. We get, yeah, because now during the time of Galos, Malchus has not revealed her true her true essence. Malchus is humbly at the bottom, bottom, bottom. The neshamas are humbly at the bottom, and we need assistance from from as we said, as the Gemara says, Ishmazriat Chila. You need a Sarusadaliel. You need godly stimulation to bring out the godliness of the soul. But once the job is done and there's no need anymore for the, for the darkness and the concealment, the true nature of Nishmas Yisrael is going to be revealed. And the, 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 the essence of the connection of the, of the, of the Makabal, of the recipient of Knesset Yisrael, of the Jewish people, the level of Afar, of earth, which is our intrinsic godliness, is going to exceed over the... Over the um, over the mashpia, over the water, and the fire is going to go over the ruach. The fire, the element of fire is going to go over the element of wind, and we're going to be in a powerful state of an aliyah, and he says, that's the idea of tshuva. Mashiach comes, first of all, Mashiach doesn't come only through tshuva, and the constant state of the bond of the Jewish people with God is going to be in a state of tshuva which means it's going to be in a powerful, powerful state of rebounding light, which means of attachment to Hashem in a way of inseparability, which I think, which means beyond Torah mitzvahs, 
when we know tshuva is higher than Torah mitzvahs. Which really means that it's going to be revealed that our connection to the Abishter was not because we did a mitzvah, that's why God, because we're learning Torah or we're doing mitzvahs, that's, and as a result of that, we're forging a bond with God. We're going to uncover within our neshama the deeper bond, the essential bond, and the inseparableness of the neshama, be'etzem, of the soul itself on the Abishter. And that's really the motivation of tshuva. That's the reason why even when a Jew has spent all of his life, as we discussed so many times, in, in, in ignoring God, and not, not involved in, 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 in observance of mitzvahs, one has neglected their neshama, one has not watered their spiritual garden of Torah and mitzvahs, and yet... On a deeper level, on a more inner level, on a more pneumistic level, in the, in, on the level of bina, on the more, on the more, if you're going outside of one surface, the interaction on the, on the, on the, where, where the neshama interacts with the gashmiistic material world, there, yeah, there can be problems in the bond. But if you peel away the outer layers and you expose the Jew's depth, over there, there has never been a separation. It can, it's not separable. Just like God says to the navi, I can't, I can't separate. Externally, I play a game that we are, you know, we're entirely going to do mitzvahs, and based on that, you're going to become a godly people. But intrinsically, my bond is inseparable with them. This is, this is, this is, and therefore, once you have tshuva uncovered, that deeper dimension, that deeper bond, what happens? We know that from the level of tshuva, Once it is exposed that a Jew and Hashem are one, that means that everything retroactively in your life, everything, cannot be anything other than part of your journey and part of your uh, uh, connection to, the, to God. In other words, when our, our relationship is, is, is as Malchus is standing as a separate entity, as this disconnected part of the world, and you're like a stranger, we're like creatures and creations that need to figure out a means how to merge with Hashem. And Hashem gives us means through Torah and mitzvahs, and those Torah and mitzvahs open up the communication and enable the bond with the Eberster to happen. Then on that level, when you're learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, you're doing positive things, you're connecting. And chas v'shalom, if you're doing things, especially if you're doing things antithetical to God, then you're disconnecting. But on the deeper level, if we, if, if, and when I mean to say simultaneously, why the Chazal say, Yisrael, afal Yisrael, a Jew, even if he sins, he's also a Jew. It doesn't mean notwithstanding the sin, they're still a Jew. Of course it means that, but it means deeper than that. It means even the sin that they're doing, from the deeper inner inner place of the neshama, it was never not about God. It was it, it was always about God. It was always a means, and I, and again, it's not always clear how that works. But only after you tshuva, you do tshuva retroactively. It revealed Chazal said that if you do an avera, and even if in, when a person does tshuva, even zedoynos, even intentional sins, become zachiyos, become merits. That means the very act of the sin itself becomes a merit. How does it become a merit? Because that too was a journey for the soul to, to express its deeper bond with God. How, how, why, how can it be? If it's something that's, aggra- that's totally antithetical to Hashem's will. It's horrible. Yet, if you know that the bond is absolute, if you know the bond is absolute, 
then there cannot be anything that is, that, it, that, 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 is, that is going against this bond. What appears to be that is only an appearance. So that's the reason, and that's what we say, where there is tshuva, even, even zedainais nasas kazachiyais. And that's the meaning of what it says. In the place. What does it mean in the place? The place itself, that very act, that very moment of sin. And in Hasidus and the Mamarim, it brings, not Makuti, maybe Makuti brings it as well, but in the later Mamarim I saw it. Bimakoim, the Gemara says that when a person, how do you do tshuva? The tshuva has to be that the person comes back to the same state. If he didn't, if he let's say he sinned with an illegal, a a a a a forbidden relationship, he has to be in the same place and the same woman and the same opportunity, and he didn't do it. It's bringing out the idea that b'makay means in the very place of the sin itself, but on the deeper level, it means that very place, that very place that till now was a deep watch of darkness, a big hole in the person's life, a big emptiness, a big sin, a big blemish, a big severance, a big disconnect, your darkest memory. Imagine that, your darkest memory in your life, the darkest thing, the most horrible, the one that you can never forgive yourself. It's so dark, it's so horrible, it's so despicable, and you're saying to yourself, Gewalt! And you're saying that very place, once we're dealing, once, once, once the relationship of Malchus, of Knesset Yisrael in general, is elevated to the level of tshuva, to the level of, 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 of where we're not separate anymore, where we're inseparable from Him, then retroactively that it too was also an expression of your connection to God. How one weir is incomprehensible that that's what it is. And that's the meaning, You're not my people. And the Tzemach Tzedek explains what does it mean, You're not my people. So he brings an amazing thing. Ami, the word Ami, my people. So he, in, in Lakuti Torah, Parshas Nitzavim, the Alter Reb explains that Am, Lahakim Am, the Abisht is going to establish us to, a, to be his Am, to be his people. So on the one hand, the people means someone who's not you. You can only have a people, you could be a king. A king could be a king over a people, there has to be people that are not him. You can't be a king over your own toes. It doesn't satisfy kingship. But on the other hand, you know, a person can't be a king over squirrels. Can't be a king over squirrels. Even if all the squirrels in the world will gather together and crown you as a king, you won't be a king over them. Because they have no, no equivalence to you. It has to be others that are similar to you, other humans that are similar to you, and you're a king over them. That's satisfactory. So here's the question. How can God have a people? How can God have the word ami is from the word imi, with me. Who can be behishtavos? Who can be similar to God? So on that it says, how do we become imi with God? If we dress like God, and if we behave like God, we become members of the, we become divine beings. And then God can be our king. And he brings a pasuk to that. The pasuk says, that um, I will teach you my language, God says. You will talk like me. You won't talk like a peasant. You'll talk like me. How will you talk to me? If you speak Torah, we speak like, like God. God speaks Torah, you speak the same language. I'll give you my robe, God says. You'll put on royal clothing. In the, in the, shade, of, the shade of my hand, I will cover you. That's mitzvahs. 
Torah and mitzvahs. What did I do with the... And to say that something like that is the end of the Pasuk. It's a Pasuk in, in, in Isaiah and Yeshaya. Shaya Nun Aleph, I think. And to say to Tzion, Ami Atta, you're my people. So the Tzemach Tzedek says, yeah, if you're wearing God's clothing and you're speaking God's words, then Ami Atta, Imi, you can be God's people. And he says that's hinted to in the word Tzion. The, med, the Gemara says, Chazarnu al mikra. We went across the entire Tanakh. We went across the entire Torah. We didn't find anywhere. We didn't find anywhere that the Jewish people should be called Zion. Usually it's the Beis Amigdash that's called Zion. Yerushalayim is called Zion. But the Jew, besides this Pasuk, is where the Jewish people are called Zion. They're called Zion. Why? What does that mean? So the Tzemach Tzedek explains like this. It says in the Pasuk, Nasa Adam, let us create man, Bitsalmenu in our form, Kidmuseinu in our image. What is that image? Torah and mitzvahs are in God's image. But he says, that's the spiritual Torah and mitzvahs. Tfilin, the way tfilin is up there, whatever that means in the highest, godliest place, that's in the image. That's that's bitsalmenu in God's image. Kidmuseinu means, and then God makes a copy of that. It's not the original, it's a copy. And that's our tfilin down here. It's a demus. It's made according to halacha that's reflecting that. But obviously it's very, very far called. But when we do all these small little things in the miniature, it's literally a miniature world, we're mimicking and copying the divine, even though over there it's infinitely greater. And over here it's in a very miniature way. We're called tzioin. Tzioin means a marker. Like when you make, you know, when, a, when you're looking at papers from an architect, and you ask him, what's this? He says, this is this mansion. You look at the mansion, you see, that's the mansion. And he shows you that this little tiny mark that's resembling this magnificent entranceway. And this over here is representing this beautiful window. And this is the glass doors that are coming in. And over here, you're just seeing tiny little jot. Oh, but he knows, the architect, when he looks at this, sees how each one is resembling these awesome big things. Our mitzvahs that we're doing are little tzionim. They're little markers for this grandiose... Godly things, unbelievable. But because we're doing tzion, because we're doing these things, that's why we're called ambi, we're called as people. God forbid if a yid does the opposite, where God says, do not do that, because that's not me, that's opposite of me, that's despicable in my eyes, that's where I don't go, that's totally opposite of what I am, non-kosher food, non-kosher relationship, uh, being dishonest, uh, all the virus, whatever God says he doesn't like, on, and that is loyami. So the Pasuk is saying, It will be in the very places in your own life. You look back and you find there are so many moments, dark blotches, black holes, where you say on it, loyami. And there I was not behaving according to my divine image. It was loyami. Ah, but once we are going to be elevated our relationship, 
that Vahoya Mispar B'nai Yisrael, that we the Jewish people, as we exist in bodies, in the physical world of time and space, where there is Mispar, where there is numbers, but we're going to be elevated to a place of Lo Yisafer, no number, which means that we're going to experience the experience of Tshuva, higher Tshuva, bonding with God from a place where we uncover that we don't have to do things to become godly. We are essentially godly and essentially one with Him. Then Yisrael, Afo Pishachata Yisrael, who, that a Jew, even if he sins, and Zedoinois Nasas Kazachi, is those sins themselves become merit. That means those black holes of Loyami that you have to say, again, I don't understand how, that they too are part of Ami. They're not Ami. You don't, you're beyond Ami because you're not with him. You are him. And that's the meaning of it's no more about Ami with me. It's B'nai Kelchai, the children of the living God. This is a, an, essential, an essential state that can never be denied and can never be severed. That's the general idea. Um, there is more over here, but I'm getting, I'm getting late. And how the Alter Rebbe explains the next part of the Pasuk, but at least what we see over here is the essence of this, of, of this argument. Hoshea Novi was looking externally and God says, you're not getting it. This is only a... What you're seeing on the outside is just the superficial outer element of it. It goes way, way deeper. And again, that's the reason why we read this before Shavuos. Because in Shavuos is the time when we enable this, this attachment. That, that the Chiddush over here, again, what's the main Chiddush? The Chiddush over here is that these shouldn't remain deep abstract truths that are only revealed after the soul leaves this world and goes higher and then it will one day discover a place where it's connected to God with such a, in such an app in the world of abstraction where it's connected with this absolute bond. No. All of that is his galos and reveals itself in our avoda down here while we're in bodies, while we're in the, in the material, while we're in our physical incarnations, we bond on this level of bonding. May we merit already that uh, the, 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 the um, Nevuah, these prophecies, should fully be revealed, and fully be manifest already uh, this Shabbos. We should already see that all Yidin are B'nai the children of the living God.
Oh, 